Welcome to Emmaus Church. My name is Nathan. I'm happy to see you here. Welcome if you've joined us online. We're so glad that you have done that. And we pray that this is a challenging and encouraging morning for all of us. You know, it's the season of Easter. I hope that you are feasting as hard as you fasted. All right? May your feast be greater than your fast. If you forgot to fast, I'm sorry. You're just going to mainline all the way through it. But if you were fasting over the last six weeks, like some of us, you have been appreciating an opportunity to take advantage and to enjoy the fullness of uh, what God has given to us. And um, we want to continue in the celebration of Easter. This is a not, Easter's not just a day, it is a season. And we want to continue to embrace it together. Um, in the next coming weeks. Raise your hand if you like a notes page. You're going to want to take some notes today. And if just keep it up if you like a notes page. Also, there are What is Emmaus brochures around. If you're new with us, welcome. I hope that you feel right at home today and that if we can help you in any way that you'll let us know. Um, you'll let us know with a raised hand and whisper to somebody what would be helpful. Uh, I hope you'll plan to stay for a little bit after church after this gathering, we're doing a brunch at 10 o'clock. And so the 9 o'clock community is invited to stay. We've invited the 11 o'clock gathering folks to come early and hopefully we'll intersect a little bit. Many of us are seeing each other for the first time in about a year. And so uh, I'm hoping that we can connect as a whole church this morning and, um, and get reacquainted. All right. I want to invite... My friends Muhia and Marcy Kerianjahi to the platform, and we're going to share with all of you a conversation that we started a long time ago, and um, we made some serious progress on Friday morning in our home, and so you're, we're just going to invite you, we're just going to pick up where we left off, and we're going to invite you in to this. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Good to see you both this morning. Last Sunday, I'll do a better introduction here in a second. Last Sunday... Uh, I preached on the resurrection of Jesus. And um, what we celebrate on Easter is not just an event. It is that. It is the event of the resurrection. But what we're celebrating um, in addition to the event is the significance of the event, the significance of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And what is that significance? Is that death has been defeated. And we say that almost casually. Death is the ultimate biggest enemy. It's the period at the end of every sentence for so long, and death has been defeated. And that's a huge and ultimate conquering, climactic triumph of Christ. But with that comes all these other lesser deaths. When Christ defeats death, he also defeats all of death's furies, all of death's lesser minions like depression and despair and resentment, and conflict. Sometimes it's easier for us to believe that death has been defeated and that at the end of our life we can have a reason for hope than it is for us to believe that our Tuesday afternoon struggles have been defeated, mm -hmm. that there's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can empower us to live day to day in freedom. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to talk about in the next few weeks. How then? Okay, so we celebrated freedom last week, and, and the challenge becomes living this out in a way that is real and practical and makes a difference in, in the way that we live. I think that many of us believe that freedom in Christ is possible, and I'm convinced that almost all of us, probably all of us at some point, really struggle with how does this actually play itself out 
in, in our life. The, um, the main event of the Old Testament is the Exodus, the freeing of the Hebrews from 400 years of slavery. And the Exodus is a prequel to the main event of the New Testament, which is the resurrection of Jesus. And so we can look back on this actual historic event of people receiving freedom to teach us what freedom in Christ can look like as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we're going to focus on today, but we're going to begin um, with, uh, I want to introduce you to our friends. We met Muhia and Marcy at Honey Rock Camp, which is in Wisconsin. Uh, years ago, Carmen and I go there every couple of years, and the, the Kerianjahis are serving there and have served there for the last eight years. Marcy, but just for the last eight years. This is just the, the most recent iteration of your ministry. Marcy has served as a pastor in Nairobi and now serving as a um, spiritual director. And uh, she was our guest speaker for our women's retreat this weekend. So we have been, not me. But you and, and 65 other women were here in this space Friday night, all day yesterday. I was about to say, unless he was here in disguise. Yes, I tried to get in, but I forgot to shave that morning, so they saw me. Um, and then and, um, Dr. Mujia is the assistant professor of outdoor and adventure leadership at Wheaton College, centered in Wheaton's Northwoods campus, which is a big adventure outdoor experience facility in Wisconsin. And um, most of their lives in ministry, as I said, have taken place in their home country, which is Kenya. Um, and they continue to have significant impact there. But in the last eight years, they have been serving in the United States and specifically in the Midwest and in Wisconsin. So welcome. Thank you. So grateful that you're both here. It's a great privilege. Thank you. We are going to mine the Kirianjahi's wisdom of spiritual development, um, spiritual formation, how we grow spiritually, human development, how we go through stages of experience and experience crises and have to navigate the, the changes of life, and um, our, our, of course, our shared Christian faith. Um, so I'm super grateful for your willingness to help us try to get a couple of handles on what, how to step into freedom. We have the privilege of being able to share a common love for Christ and bring, in some ways, very different cultural perspectives to this conversation. You know the gospel that is authentic when it is experienced all over the world. The stuff that only works in the United States is probably not really the gospel, right? The, 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 the true gospel goes cross-cultural. And so we can see, and Carmen and I had such a beautiful conversation Friday morning, just loving the perspective of seeing, seeing our shared Savior mm -hmm. um, through the eyes of, of friends that um, have come from a, a different um, upbringing in a different part of the world. Okay, we're going to ask three questions this morning. Ready to rock? Okay. We want the resurrection to thoroughly shape our lives. We want to be people of the resurrection, but we struggle to live in true freedom, freedom from fear, freedom from addiction, freedom from resentment. Um, Marcy, why don't you start? What do you, what do you see as, as a hindrance to our experiencing freedom in Christ? 
maybe a hindrance that's unique to this culture? And, and what perspectives might we try to embrace? What perspectives might we embrace in order to make progress in this journey of freedom in Christ? I would like to begin with two um, things. Number one, we were talking this morning, and my husband said, you know, we need to make sure we say this. We hate it when people come to Kenya as tourists or expatriates or missionaries and then tell us all the stuff that is wrong with our country, mm. what needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Now, is it true that there's a lot of corruption in some of our institutions? Yes. Is it true that um, money that could be used for fixing roads that have huge potholes that your car could disappear into? <laughs> I, yes, all of that is true. So it's a fair criticism, but we know, just don't tell us. And so in trying to, in seeking to answer this question, I am asking God to give us the love of Christ for this family of ours, this diverse looking family of ours, so that we are not those ones looking in saying, Lord, guys, you're messed up. <laughs> so, from that perspective, the second is on a light note. Sisters and brothers with fashion sense, don't judge my footwear. Now everybody gets to look at your footwear. What happened? Did you hike in those shoes? Yes, I did. They're all terrain. They're ready for anything. My sisters know that my packing skills are not A+. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgot a pair of shoes to go with this dress. <laughs> now that that's out of the way I'm and so I feel better, I'm not, I'm not thinking, now what are they saying about my shoes? <laughs> <laughs> but coming back to the question, um, I have lived in this country first as a single person, and then I have lived here as the mother of toddlers, mm -hmm. and then I have lived here now as the mother of a teenage and young adult. Mm -hmm. So I've been in and out of this country several times. He has had that experience too. Mm -hmm. Before we were married, he was here as a single man, and then he came as a master's student, a husband of a wife with small children, so. And, and their father too. And their father too, of right. course, yes. <laughs> I forgot that part. <laughs> and, and so we've had this experience of living in America um, and, 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 and trying to figure out where do we fit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the place we can both say we found life was in the church. But church that was very different, mm -hmm. very different. And the first thing I needed to navigate um, was how do Americans make friends? Mm. For us, you meet people, you invite them into your home for a meal. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case. I knew people, and I didn't get to ever, ever eat in their homes. Mm. 
I was never invited into their house. But we had this great friendship outside of their, the privacy of their homes. And that was as a single person. Christmas, invited to the service and then invited for the lunch, sort of lunch, late dinner, early dinner. But then at four o'clock, I'd be taken back to my empty apartment. Mm -hmm. All my roommates had left and there were probably about four or five of us who didn't go anywhere for Christmas. And the rest of that season was spent alone. And um, it just wouldn't happen at home. Mm -hmm. You don't leave people alone. You invite them into your home. Mm -hmm. You go home with them and they stay with you. So one of the things I feel might be, you know, that's very, very different. And I still haven't quite figured it out. And I still haven't learned how to mitigate it from, you know, how to embrace it. Mm -hmm. Is this fact that American life, at least the general culture, mm -hmm. is very much an individualistic one, mm -hmm. very much a private one. Mm -hmm. So privacy is important, mm -hmm. and, and you're let into life bit by bit, mm -hmm. bit by bit. So community, I would think, the, the, the individualism and the the, the privacy, yeah. that that somehow seems to, 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 to create complications when it comes to really co creating community, because you've mm -hmm. got to eat with one another. Right, you've right. got to spend time yeah. in one another's messy lives right. in mm -hmm. order to know each other. And you're saying that that focus, that emphasis on individualism and privacy actually is a hindrance to experiencing freedom, ultimately? Yes, because... Where do you get to live out the injunctions of Christ, the one another's? Mm. Where do you get to hear that was kind of insensitive? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and glad I haven't said anything <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to know that even with that rebuke, you're able to say, it was? Mm. How? Mm. Oh, I see. Mm. I'm really sorry I said it that way. Mm. And to be able to say, I forgive you. Mm. Sure. you know, but what did you, what did, what did you mean? And to be able to talk, to dig into things, Good. and to change perspective, to hear somebody else, to, to love somebody who you discover, like when you get married, mm -hmm. this is an alien. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doesn't eat the same stuff I eat. Doesn't put stuff away the way I do. Doesn't wake up the way I do quietly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, if I may just um, pick it from there. Yeah, and so we felt each time that we were in these contexts, we, we felt the real threat of that loneliness. Mm. Um, and especially when we do not know how to navigate many aspects of life here, mm -hmm. each time with different circumstances, mm -hmm. with, with tiny kids, mm -hmm. very different, mm -hmm. with, with uh, teenage sons, very, very different, mm -hmm. 
Um, how do you, how do you um, walk alongside them as they go into college? All of these new questions. And the place that we found life mm -hmm. each of those times was in, in church, but very specifically in small groups. So okay. we had the privilege of being in, uh, in, in home groups, small groups, ecclesias, different churches called them different things. Mm -hmm. And that is the one thing that uh, we have identified as the place where the resurrection life was lived. Mm -hmm. And it was not only in receiving, um, you know, counsel, mm -hmm. but sharing with others mm -hmm. and, uh, and listening to other lives and, and identifying with other people's lives yes. in, in terms of their struggles and, and knowing that we had a place in there. We prayed for one another. Yeah. We received prayer and yeah. we were able to minister to one another. So and so that has been true um, at least each of the times that, that we've been uh, to the United States That's as a family. So right good. now we are in a small group that has been together for five years mm -hmm. and, uh, and it refuses to die. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just refuses to die. That's good. It just keeps morphing. Yeah. But yeah. So last week we asked, what is one thing that you, would, that you need freedom from? What is one thing that threatens to control your life? You, if you could get freedom from this, it, this, would be, this would be a game changer. Mm -hmm. So then we left the question hanging. How? Well, here's one way. You get in a small group. <laughs> you, 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 get a place, you find a place where you can belong and where you can be known. Mm -hmm. This is the context for experiencing uh, greater freedom. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the story, but it is a, it it is is a, a critical spot. component, right? Mm -hmm. Great. All right, here's another question. Um, Dr. Mujia's PhD dissertation was in rites of passage, and mm -hmm. he is, he is an, he is an, it's not an exaggeration to say that he's an expert in the field of rites of passage. He began a ministry in Kenya, for, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, more than that, 20. 20 years 20 ago, years, which is very similar to what we've been experiencing here in our church, which is a, a small group of families will maybe lead their children through a rite of passage experience over a seri se series of months. This is what Dr. Mejia started 20 years ago, which is now has just exploded to multiple churches coming together, 1,500 kids a year going through rites of passage. His PhD work was the, like the intellectual property that we borrowed from when we put together this little rite of passage book called Waymarking for our community. And if you don't have a copy and you have children, we have copies for you. Just you can take a copy today. They're out in the cafe. I would invite you to, to take a look at this. I want So, so I want to ask uh, Dr. Mujia about rites of passage in this context of how do we, how do we step into freedom. Let's, let's try it this way. What, what does knowing what we're leaving behind, mm -hmm. what does the ability to name what we're leaving behind, um, and knowing what it is that we're being called into, how, how does that play into this process of continuing to, uh, to become free? Mm -hmm. Or put another way, what, what role do you see community playing mm -hmm. in the process of, of living into freedom and stepping into these new stages of life and freedom? Right, so rites of passage are about times of life change, mm -hmm. uh, moving from one stage of life to another, uh, which could be just, um, you know, chronologic life. You get to become a teenager and you're no longer a child and you're wondering, am I, am I an adult? Mm -hmm. It could be life circumstances change. Mm -hmm. You have been married and enjoying family and you lose a spouse. Mm -hmm. 
and status changes humongously. Right. Yeah. And uh, those things happen, and they, when they happen in isolation, questions happen. And, and this is everything from becoming an adolescent mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, wondering, okay, so what does this mean? How do I um, exist and function well as an adolescent in my context, mm -hmm. which really means in my community. I'm in high school, so what, what does it mean to belong in high mm -hmm. school? What makes me cool? What makes me acceptable? Mm -hmm. And this is true wherever you are around the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, um, you can look around and, and see what seems to be cool. When I became a teenager, after having been brought up in a Christian family, and I went to a boarding high school, and was asking those very same questions, um, I ended up in the wrong crowd. Mm -hmm. And I ended up living in rebellion for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Rebellion of the, from the faith that my family had espoused and, and, and taught us. And, um, and years later, when I was reflecting on that, after God had very graciously called me back to himself, mm -hmm. I realized that the the, 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 I lost my wheels, if you will, um, as I was looking for how to belong within that community. Mm. And uh, the question behind the rites of passage ministry was this. How do you help people understand who they are within their context, community context mm. at different stages of their lives? Mm -hmm. It was easy for us as Africans um, to remember. And I, and I say remember... Um, because it's, it's, not, it's in our proximal, proximal memory. I saw, when I was a little kid, I saw traditional rites of passage happening. And uh, because I was in a Christian home and the rites of passage were not always very Christian, I remember peeping over the fence and my mm. dad grabbing me. <laughs> not for you. But it was within those rites of passage that people found their tribal identity. And very interestingly, we, we come from a small country that has 44 tribes with different cultures. Mm -hmm. And because of the rites of passage, one tribe could be in total hostility of another because of how they see themselves. Uh, because of rite of passage, sometimes some that you could actually identify. Circumcision, no circumcision. Mm -hmm. You know, different things like that. And, and so we asked ourselves as a church, um, you know, fast forwarding to when I had been called to be an intern as a church, how, and, and I had been handed the teens ministry, and I had no idea what to do with, with, with that. And so we were learning as we, as we went along, and identified that the, the kids didn't feel like they belonged to our church. Mm -hmm. And how do we help them belong to our church? And so we started praying about um, utilizing what had been done. You know, now I have learned from time immemorial. I have seen examples of this in scripture yeah. over and over again. Uh, rites of passage, to belong not to a tribe, but to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the question then would not be, how do I um, work or live as a Kikuyu? We are Kikuyu um, from the Kikuyu tribe, but as the body of believers. Because that be then becomes our primary identity. Mm -hmm. We are Christians before we are Kikuyus or Americans or, or whatever. You know, this is our eternal identity. Right. And, um, and, and within that church, then there are people from different cultures. And if we were to insist on ways of being that are tribal or ethnic within the church, then th some of those might clash, uh, people from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so we had to 
ask ourselves what does it belong, mean to belong to a church. Mm -hmm. And fortunately within the church, there are people who have walked that journey of, t of teenage. I, I remember asking myself now, if I, was, you are, if I was to talk to my 14-year-old self, what would I, mm. you know, in my, in my 30s, I mm -hmm. think I was at that time, what would I have said? And, and that informed the beginning of our programs. And, you know, it's groups of us just going, what, what, what do you think we should be working on? In this? Yeah. What are some of the rituals? And, and so community then brings life to the transition by speaking, by naming the transition. You're no longer a child. Now this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Finding a place of belonging, we, we would, as a church, then help uh, the teenagers understand what, what, how they could serve. They were ushering, they were, you know, reading, uh, you know, scripture, things like that, and, and uh, it brought a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, in, in, in a sense, it is um, plausibility. Uh, just understanding this is who I am now. Yeah. And that is true not only in that transition, but, but later on, we had the tragedy of losing our first son. Mm. And, and, and uh, in our grief, mm. we were, we were leaders in the church, and so there was a little bit of people coalescing around us. And, and uh, together... Public. <laughs> mm. Mm. Public we were property. invited to yeah. lead a group of people that were, was in grief. And it was so good for us mm -hmm. because then together we cried with people who had lost spouses or parents mm -hmm. and, and who were able to say, you know, yeah, I just remember this moment when I, I was thinking of people who had said things that were insensitive and they had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I was angry and you don't know what to do mm -hmm. when you're in grief and people say things that they, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. and, and, and everybody in the group started saying, yeah, I had that experience too. Mm -hmm. And we, and we together then were able to go through a healing process. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and here we were naming each other within the, co uh, the context of Christian community. Yes. And, you, and you know, having the, the common um, you know, template of the scriptures mm -hmm. and, the, and the Holy Spirit working mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. So uh, finding life, yeah. resurrection life through community once again right. and naming changes yes. uh, and circumstances yeah. together. That's good. Yeah, so the community isn't just uh, a neutral group around you. It's engaged and even saying, this is what you're experiencing mm -hmm. and naming it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some ways calling you into a new place, Absolutely. right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Let's go into this last question. We're, we are, our, our country and probably the whole world, but our country specifically seems to be in the midst of a continuing uh, conversation about race and justice which is new for some of us um, and personal and difficult for many of us and frankly has led to more division um, according to recent studies than unity. Uh, it's not so much that the topic is a divisive topic, but something about the way we're going about it seems to be um, not very helpful, both in, in the church and outside of it. Uh, Friday morning, we had this powerful conversation about the unique perspective that you have on this challenging and, and broken uh, dynamic of, of race relations in America. And you talked about the power, this was so fascinating to me, you talked about the power of having an understanding of your identity rooted in another place, your culture rooted in another place, your story, your belonging, your, your value uh, rooted in, an, in another place. And what was so fascinating was that how 
you were sharing how that understanding of who you who you are, um, it freed you from some of, not all, but it freed you from much of the oppression that was happening and it continues to happen in the United States towards African-American people. Um, and I just wonder if you would talk about that dynamic a little bit. And what I'm specifically, we've already, we've already begun to move in that direction, but I'm specifically wondering if you think that our identity in Christ mm. could serve as our first or true identity. I hear you already saying that. But maybe you could talk about how is it that our freedom could be rooted um, not in other people's perspectives of ourselves, but in, but in, uh, in a truer, deeper perspective. Is that, is that making sense? Mm. Maybe um, I'll leave it at that. Go ahead, either one of you. I'd like to hear from both of you on this, and then we'll wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah, throw me the hard one, Marcy. (laughs) So we we um, have it's true as Africans uh, coming into this context. um, Yes, we're Christians, but we have always understood ourselves as Africans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, and I was uh, I was telling Pastor Nate that. I was an African until I started noticing race issues. And it took a while to even go, I'm an African and I am, oh, I'm black. And I think that there's, there's, there's value in that, in both, uh, in, uh, you know, at a, at a pure, purely cultural um, level to understand that this is, I identify as an African, I am, um, and, and, and we, we, like we said, we, we come from a small country. Kenya is the size of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and it is small enough um, that, that we have starters there. Uh, not because we're wealthy, but you know, church leaders, mm-hmm. uh, we are one degree removed from a phone call with the president type, you know, small, small community type. They're a big type deal thing. in Kenya. Which, which They're is a big <laughs> deal in Kenya. <laughs> We, and 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 uh, and coming into uh, an American context mm-hmm. and really being, I want to say nobodies. Mm-hmm. You know, I am I, I am a professor in a university, but then navigating that mm-hmm. and, and 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 experiencing pushback and oh, who are you again and, mm-hmm. and 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 it's a long journey to finding who we are within this uh, context. And there was that stability. When we experienced, um, very rarely, actually, we've had a fairly positive experience. Um, when we experienced hostility, I feel like we received it better um, because, because we have another home. Mm-hmm. And um, if really things got really bad, then we can get on the plane and go home. It has been um, important for us then to understand that that is not everybody else's experience. Mm-hmm. There are people who feel uh, oppressed, and they, this is supposed to be home. This is their mm-hmm. primary belonging. Right. And how difficult can that be? Mm-hmm. And and we were talking about how then um, it it just took me on a journey to try and uh, understand race and uh, and and uh, the experience of people of color in this country and it's a really fascinating journey mm-hmm. and and very uh, tumultuous i think even internally mm-hmm. um, but then yes so that isn't that a great metaphor though for who yes. we are yes. in christ mm-hmm. uh, that we can live in today's circumstances however difficult they are mm-hmm. 
understanding that we, they, they, there's, we, there's a transcendent identity that we have. Right. You know, it, we, we belong to Christ. We know how this story ends. Yeah. Uh, we, we, can, we can sorrow as those who sorrow with him. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's what the Apostle Paul says, not as people who are, are without hope. Mm-hmm. And um, it is because we can we can lament, we can, we, can, we can complain, we can wrestle with a God who is bigger mm-hmm. than our circumstances. And he invites us into lament, and he invites us into uh, rejoicing and, um, and, and experiencing one another and all sorts of circumstances that wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. um, if, if, if we did not have that more transcendent identity. Yes, yes, thank you, so good. I'd like to add just a little thing. Um, the ladies who were with us yesterday heard um, from me that my first year as a student at Covenant College, Lookout Mountain, Georgia, was kind of traumatic for me in terms of figuring out my identity. Mm-hmm. I went into a school where that first semester we were five people of color, mm-hmm. two Kenyans and three African Americans. And uh, discovering that um, uh, being Kenyan is very different from being African-American and that it was far easier to make friends with my white brothers and sisters than it was with my African-American brothers, two brothers and one sister. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of it being that being of the same color, the assumption was that we spoke the same language. But I was coming from a place where we spoke the Queen's English, mm-hmm. and I did not understand the Dabiag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I needed, I, I really did need a translator. <laughs> I needed a little bit of interpretation. My white brothers and sisters would see my black skin, and they would hear my accent, and then they would make the adjustment. But my African-American brothers and sisters would see my black skin, hear my accent, but assume somehow that we would understand each other if they did not speak, you know, they didn't adjust mm-hmm. the English for me. And that created amazingly difficult mm-hmm. misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. So that one day, what the, the young lady came and, you know, my fellow student came, she stood over me and she says, you is black on the outside and white on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I said, pardon? Because I missed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a white young man came up to me one day as I was having lunch, and he said that he asked me about where I came from, and I told him. And he, basically, the message was, "Go back, go back to your fellow monkey land people." Mm-hmm. That was in his words, right out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go back t- to the land where you monkeys come from. And 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 just the. Just mm-hmm. what just happened? Mm-hmm. Asking God, why then? Mm-hmm. If you knew I was going to be a part of this community, this college, why didn't you make me five foot ten, blue eyed, mm-hmm. and a natural blonde? Mm-hmm. I mean, thick blonde hair mm-hmm. uh, with curls. Um, <laughs> you know, why didn't you do that? Because it felt like that was the only way that I could really fit in, not this mm-hmm. small-bodied, brown-skinned mm-hmm. w- woman, mm-hmm. 
and, and I, just, I just didn't feel like I could belong. Mm -hmm. And I wrestled with that, and it took me a long while, but you know, about a year of Bible reading, quiet time, writing in my journal, why, why, but yes, I was born Marsi Wairimuk Nyakarura, daughter of Deritu, in the country of Kenya. He decided, he made me. Mm -hmm. And finding that, getting to that place where it was no longer just words, but I knew it. Mm. I knew it in myself that I could stand anywhere in the world, whether I was received, honored or not, mm -hmm. and know that I truly am seen, I'm known, mm. I'm heard mm -hmm. in the highest court mm. anywhere. And that is what gave me then the confidence over the next few years and helped me to, you know, to, to walk out confidently, make friends, mm -hmm. um, Amen. Um, say, this is me. Yeah, yeah, amen. You know? So good, so good, so good. Thank you both so much. Would you just express your gratitude with me? For the <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <coughs> What a blessing it is, Lord, to be part of uh, your kingdom. And we look forward to the scene articulated in Revelation 7 where people from every tribe and tongue and nation will be unified in one voice. And what will they be singing? Your glory. And so we pray to live in a way now that is glorifying to you and that our identity in you would be the ground, the grounding of our freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.